Let's talk about also uh, today's message as we talk about standing strong when things go wrong in our lives. Um, and uh, today we're going to talk about one, uh, uh, an area that uh, in particular was uh, kind of a big deal for me, and that's uh, illness. What happens when illness comes into life? Because I don't know about you, but illness is one of those storms of life. When it hits, um, it kind of affects everything, and it can really cause you to be fairly unmoored. And and I want you to know that, uh, that uh, if you've faced illness, you're not alone. We live in a broken planet, right? It is just a broken place. And I think we get used to these bodies that God blesses us, but we forget how much of a blessing health is. It's not a guarantee, and it's not a promise. Uh, and so uh, illness pretty much hits a lot of people in our lives. But there is something that is so very intimate about when illness hits because it is not something external to you. It is your very body that begins to betray you. And illness is a thief. Um, it, it comes in and it steals all kinds of things from you. Yes, it steals money. It steals time. It steals your dreams and your hopes for what you planned for, what you wanted your life to look like. And as illness comes in your life, it just keeps taking and taking and taking. And because of this nature, this withering effect that illness has, typically it's not a short type of thing. It's just long suffering it can cause extended doubt. And I've seen that in my own life, but also in the lives of many that I've had the privilege of being able to minister to. And we're going to talk about this today. How can we face illness? And I want you to know there's a good news to this, that you can face illness with an unshakable faith. And, and God can use it to do amazing things. Now, to get there, there's a truth in God's Word that we're going, to, we're going to memorize today. This is our memory verse that really becomes a foundation for this. And it's been something that's been an anchor for me. It comes from Romans 8.18, and it says this, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Isn't that an awesome promise? Isn't that amazing? And the reality is, as I love that it says that the things we might not suffer, all of us are suffering something. But there is a promise. The day is not what it's about. The thing about some of the things that we, we, we talked about there, that the present is suffering, but it doesn't last. And something that's so crucial for as a Christian that we understand that this world is not all there is, not by a long shot. And it doesn't mean that, that our suffering now doesn't matter. That today is what we have. And so sometimes we find ourselves in the present. And we truly do suffer. And that is our reality. But here's something that helps us. And it is the, in Scripture it talks about faith and the hope that it gives us. The knowledge and hope not just like wishful thinking this may be. But here we have a, an apostle who had the privilege at some point that God gave him a vision, gave him an opportunity to see into what's coming next. And he comes back and he tells us, he's like, it's worth it. Our present sufferings, not even worth comparing. It's like when we get to heaven, we're going to be like, yeah, well, this is good, but there'll come a time when it'll be so amazing. What's coming next would make it like it would be almost petty to try to compare with the things we go through today. Now, this is amazing for us because right now, our suffering seems so huge. I remember when I was in, in uh, Kansas, uh, we climbed Mount Sunflower. It's not a mountain. It is the highest point in the state just because of this end of the state, I think. It's, uh, it's on the western side. It's, 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 a, it's a little bit of a hill, and you climb into a field. 
And that, you know, when we were going to go climb Mount Sunflower, the guys in the football team with me and all that were like, oh, we're going to climb this thing, right? And they were all proud of themselves. And then when Amy and I got married, we brought a bunch of them out here to our wedding. And I'll tell you that that little mountain that we climbed in Kansas was not worth comparing to the glory that they saw later. Some things seem like mountains in our lives, but compared to what's coming next, it's not worth comparing. I want you to get, I'm going to give you the, 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 the punchline right now for this message. And it's something that's so important that we get. This is a truth. It is this, that God is good. That is what I learned over the last 10 years. God is good. Not because my life is good, but because God is good. And when we begin to own that and understand the very nature and the care and the character of God, that truth gives us the courage to trust this. That our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. That truth is going to revolutionize your life. Whether or not you are facing suffering or illness today, or whatever it is you're facing. The reality that God is absolutely good. In fact, good is what good is because of who God is. It gives us courage and a boldness of living to know that there is a God that is not out there trying and testing and crushing us. But he, in fact, he's a God has a plan, and he will even use pain to do great things. And so here, God is good, and he loves you. He knows everything he does. He can do anything, and he can. And he loves you perfectly. That's what a good God chooses to do. When he can do anything, he chooses to love you. And we're going to unpack that, uh, that, that truth and that promise. We're going to look briefly in Scripture at a couple of, of people in Scripture who struggled with illness. And the first one uh, that we're going to look at comes to us from 2 Kings 5, and his name was Naaman. And Naaman was an interesting guy because he, uh, he was an enemy of the people of God. And he was a, a powerful general for this uh, Syrian army, right? He was a powerful guy. And he was part of the group of people that were that was making life miserable for the Israelites. And it was at the same time uh, that, that we had uh, this prophet Elisha was working. And, uh, and the kingdom, the northern kingdom where Elisha was at was, was sinful and was doing bad things. And, and you have this army north of them that was basically uh, bringing about all kinds of pain on God's people because they weren't being faithful. But the same truth, the Assyrians were not faithful themselves. They were a pagan, godless people. And here you have one of their generals, one of the top guys who stands in defiance against the people of God. And he ends up getting leprosy. And and this tells you how amazing this guy was. Most of the times when somebody has leprosy, they stick them in a leprous colony so no one can even see them or get close to them. But this man was so influential, so powerful, that he was still somehow relevant to the army of Assyria. And one of his servants, this this man has has leprosy and it can't be cured and it's this awful disease. And, and, And his family, though he's still able to work in Assyria, I mean, he would still be separated And he has this life of loneliness ahead of him, a life of separation, a life of watching his body fall apart with no hope. And one of his his servants comes to him and says, Hey, Naaman, there is this prophet in Israel. Yeah, that enemy country that you... He's a prophet. He's very, very powerful, and he can heal people. His God can heal people. 
And Naaman's like, well, what do I have to lose? And so he goes down and he visits this, this Jewish prophet. And he brings all kinds of gifts and things like this. And the prophet Elisha is like, uh, you keep your gifts, thank you very much. I don't need all your pagan junk, right? But this is what you need to do. You want to be healed? Fine, God will heal you. Go down to the river, this muddy old nasty river. Go dip yourself seven times, you'll come out, you'll be healed. And Naaman was so mad when he heard this. Like the prophet wasn't even like lay hands or do some kind of magic chant or dance around him or anything, right? He was so angry that the prophet was like, oh yeah, you can just be healed. He's like, I've got leprosy. This is a big deal. Make a show of it, something, right? And so he leaves in a huff. But that servant says to him, hey, if he asks you to do something difficult, would it be better? He just told you to go dip in the water. How hard is that? Seven times, go do it. And Naaman's like, well, I guess I don't have much to lose. So he goes down, he dips himself in the water once, nothing, two, nothing, three, right? Gets to seven, boom, healed. It's a remarkable story. And I think when we read that story, what I want you to see from this is that God can heal anyone. Anyone. God can even heal his enemies. That is remarkable because we often think of God like he's like us. If I see my enemy and he's suffering, I'm like, yes, my enemy's suffering. But God is good, and he can heal anyone. And if you are here today and you are suffering and you feel like you are far from God and God cannot or would not have the heart to help you, you need to read Scripture and you need to look at Naaman. He will even heal the general of his enemies. And here's the other thing, too. When Amy got sick and we would pray and things weren't getting better, I was assaulted in my spirit by thinking maybe I don't have the right kind of faith or enough faith. Naaman had very little faith. He didn't even know who to call God. He was mad. I bet he was dipping himself in the water mostly just to prove it was a farce. If anything, mustard seed faith. See, God can heal anyone. That's the power of God. And it's the heart of God that he is good. There's another guy I want you to look at. He comes to us in the Gospel of John, chapter 11. The guy's name is Lazarus. He had a bad week. Lazarus was Jesus' buddy. Jesus was just across the way, a couple hours away, teaching. Lazarus gets sick, gets worse, sends a group of people out to say, hey, uh, get my buddy Jesus. I know he heals people. I'm kind of sick. I'm his friend. I'm pretty sure he thought I'm a shoe, and he's not very far away. In fact, he could just say, be healed, and I would be healed, right? He was Jesus' friend. But Jesus doesn't come. Jesus intentionally stalls, and Lazarus dies waiting on Jesus, dies. And he doesn't just kind of die, he's four days dead. Right? They, they, he dies, and then they do the whole, you know, wrap him up, put him into the cave, wait for his body to decay so they can throw his bones in a box, dead. That's, that's where he was. He was in the cave with the, with the stone over the front of it, sealed up, dead, wrapped up, done. Four days dead. Then Jesus shows up. And the family's like, hey, great to see you a little late. You'd think the God who invented time would get here on time, right? you think the God who loves his buddies, who loves the enemies of, you know, you could heal anybody. Why would you heal your best friend? But Jesus shows up, 
He goes to the tomb, says, unroll the stone. Everyone's like, it's going to be stinky in there. And Jesus says, unroll the stone. Calls in there, Lazarus gets up, and Lazarus gets up. Totally healthy. I want you to see in this story, there's something powerful that Jesus can heal anything. God can heal anything. You might have an illness, but I think the worst illness that there possibly is is death. Right? And not just death, but death plus decay. That's, that's pretty far gone. You are not too far gone for God. If, if you are here today and you think, but God can heal some things, so he can heal a paper cutter, he can give you a, a parking lot or a parking space in a mall. He can do those things, but God can also do big things as well. He can swallow up entire armies with the Red Sea, right? He can calm storms just by saying, be still, and he can heal any illness. The question is not if God has the power. God can heal anything. There's a third uh, thing that I want you to uh, story that we see in Scripture, and it's from Acts 20. And there's a guy named Eutychus. Eutychus, poor kid, um, it's in Troas. If you think of like the Trojan horse, okay, that area. So a long way from Jerusalem. And, and uh, Eutychus was this Greek convert to, to Christianity in the early days of the faith. And he was sitting there. Now, apparently the Apostle Paul preaches like me, and he just kept going. And they were in this big, stuffy, upstairs apartment, three stories high, Right, And Eutychus sitting by the window trying to stay awake, trying to stay cool because everybody's packed in listening to Paul go on and on and on about how Jesus is the, the Messiah of the Old Testament. And Eutychus, his teenager, is like, I could not be more bored. And he falls asleep, falls out of the window, lands on the pavement, dies. Which is not what anybody wanted to have happen at church that day. And so you have this, this guy, he's, he's dead. And then the apostle goes down. And he raises him from the dead. And, and I think that this is a, it's a, it's an amazing story. It's an interesting story as you read in Scripture. Because, you know, right then we see that Jesus wasn't physically present. But the Holy Spirit absolutely was. And so I think with Eutychus, we find that God can heal anywhere. Troas was not even in Israel. It was a far way off. And I think a lot of times we, our, our idea, especially the ancient world, the picture of God, if you are in close proximity, you could go to the temple, you could go to some place to be healed, and God could heal you there. Do you understand that God is all-powerful? He can heal anyone, anywhere, anytime. He has the power to do that. There are some other examples of healings in, in, in the New Testament, I think, that were, are helpful. There was a man that was born blind. Do you realize that in the Old Testament, uh, we did have prophets that raised people from the dead and that could do all that kind of stuff and and heal people from leprosy, but there was never a prophet that could heal somebody that was born blind. You just never saw it. And so when somebody was born blind, it was considered to be a curse from God on that family, on that person. And then there's a story in the Gospels where this man who was born blind, he's brought to Jesus, right? He comes before Jesus and people are like, whose sin was it? Was it this man who sinned or his parents? Like, this makes no sense to us. And Jesus said, none. It didn't have to do with sin. He was this way right now, so that way God's glory can be shown through him. And Jesus heals this man who was born blind. There was this woman who had bled over a decade, spent all of her money on doctors, had no hope, crawled up behind Jesus while he was walking through a crowd where he was going to go heal a girl that was on her deathbed, touches the side of her, his robe, just enough faith. Didn't even talk to him. Healed. There, there's this paralytic who, who uh, was in the city of Jerusalem, and there was a 
Jesus teaching in his house, all of a sudden, the, they made houses with like muds and bricks and stuff. All of a sudden, this hole opens up in the roof, and then this this paralytic guy gets lowered down on this this thing, which would have been awkward for everybody involved, including Jesus, because he's trying to teach. And then here comes this guy, and Jesus heals him. And he says, get up and go. And the man takes his mat and he leaves. He didn't have an appointment, but he had enough faith, and his friends had enough faith to bring him to the Lord. There was a man that uh, was brought to Jesus. He had this hand that was all shriveled up, and it was hard. And, and, and the religious leaders wanted to trap Jesus, and so they brought this man with the shriveled hand to Jesus on the Sabbath. Right? He was, he was bait for an evil plot to try to show that Jesus was working on the Sabbath. And Jesus gets pretty upset with the people trying to do this plot, but he has compassion on this man, and he heals his hand because our God is good. You know, the scriptures are replete with people who can be healed and who have been healed. There's there's a thousand and a million different variants of illness. The point is this, that God is the God of all. He has the power to heal. He does. And he's got the heart. He is good. So then what do we do with the illness when it comes into our life? How do we deal with it? Well, there's four truths for facing illness I find, that we find in scripture that we're going to go through today. And... Uh, and, and how do we, we face illness when it comes? And the first one is that God can heal anyone, anywhere, from anything. He can. And you saw that from some of the stories that we have in Scripture, and you see that from the examples in there. It's not a question, like, healing is not, a, is not a difficult thing for God. He can just fix it. He spoke the universe into existence. He can fix our, our bodies. So it's not an issue of God's power. Sometimes we see brokenness in this world and we think, can God fix it? Not a problem. Yes, he can fix it. And you know, and here's something that will blow your minds. God can even fix in the absence of faith. I know there are times he says your faith is so little, right? And it limits us because oftentimes we walk away from God when we don't have faith. But even like someone like Naaman who had just tiny, tiny faith, right? God can still heal. Or how about Lazarus? You can't have faith when you're dead. See, Jesus' power, God's power isn't limited by us. He is God. Our ability to experience his power can be limited when we walk away from him. He's not going to impose himself on us. I think this is is an important thing for us to realize, that our God is a very powerful God, and that's a truth about illness. I think the second truth that we gain, gain in Scripture about it is that God may or may not heal in the moment. Right? Naaman... He got instant healing, didn't he? He showed up, this pagan general shows up, and then he gets instant healing from his horrible disease. You go down, dip yourself, you're done. Right? There was different times where Jesus would, would heal people that were blind. He would touch people or the woman that was, that was bleeding, touch them, instant healing. There are times when God heals miraculously and instantly. He does. And we've seen it. But there are times that he doesn't. And that is just as biblical, and it is just as true. Think about Lazarus. He died waiting on Jesus. Just because you haven't been healed instantly does not mean God is not at work. Think about the man who was born blind. He was an adult by the time. Do you think his parents had prayed for him since he was born? Do you think he prayed, Lord, God, please give me my sight? God was not absent. There are times that God heals instantly, and there are times that he does not. It's not an issue of deserving it at all. 
Sometimes we think, well, if I deserve the healing, he'll give it to me. I think Naaman is a great example of this. Naaman, even after he was healed, even afterwards, he says to the prophet, I am going to have to go back, and I recognize that your God is the God, but you're going to have to excuse me, because when I go back to my my home country, and I'm healed, uh, and I'm going to stand next to the emperor, and back then, they people worshipped their leaders, their kings, as gods. And he says, I'm going to have to bow and, and put a knee to this, this man, even though I know that he's not God, and I've seen the power of the one true God. But I'm going to have to do it, otherwise I'll be executed. Even then, he wasn't being faithful. Jesus said, you know, I'm not supposed to worship anybody else. He even, Naaman even admits it. It's not an issue of deserving. It's not as though if I'm faithful enough, God will heal me. That's not it. God heals some people who are faithful, and sometimes he doesn't. There was a group of, of these uh, ten lepers who were healed by Jesus. One comes back to say thank you. It's not an issue of, of us whether or not we are good. It's an issue of whether or not God is good. I think healing is this. It's an issue of grace. It's a thing that God will sometimes give us something we don't deserve. And the reality is that none of us deserve a health this world is broken. All of our bodies are, are cursed. These bodies will die. None of us deserve perfect health in this life. It is a blessing. That's what it means. It is a gift when we do have health. And it's, as a gift, we should use our health for something good. But when illness comes into our life, we can't shake our fists at God and say, you've given me something I do not deserve. We are sinful people on a sinful planet. We have hijacked this world from God. All of us have. He does not owe us health, but sometimes he gives people health because he's a loving God. But I'll tell you this, when God does bring healing, he does it for this reason, to build faith. Did Naaman die? Yeah, he was healed and eventually died. There's no old guy around the Middle East anywhere named Naaman, right? How about Lazarus? Did he die? Yeah, he was raised again. He got to die again. Lucky him, right? How about Eutychus? Did he die? Yeah, no guy in in Greece named Eutychus, still around the day. He died. The purpose of the healing was of their body was not the permanent was not the end. The purpose of those healings was to build faith so they could have a healing of the soul, so they could look forward to the greater thing, so that they, they could say, My present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed. If God brings healing in your life, that is the purpose for it. And if you miss that purpose, if you say that God gave me what I deserved. You are missing the point. If you, I've been praying for somebody for a long time, and I, and it's, it, I love our connection cards. We pray for people, and God does heal people, and it's been interesting to watch as he does. But if you get to the end of that, and you don't say, thank you, God, and your faith is not built because you saw God at work, you miss the point. So God may or may not heal, because the purpose, the focus is, is not about the healing. It's on building faith so that way we could have the greater healing. And here's the third one that I wish the people had told me, that God may choose not to heal at all in this life. He may not. And it has nothing to do with, with are you good? And it has nothing to do with God is good. I wish somebody had told me this. I really do. Because when, when illness came into my family's life and we prayed and we did all the right things, right? We put all the right coins into the soda machine of God trying to get what we wanted and it wasn't giving us what we wanted. I got mad. I got mad at God. I'm like, how can you be good? 
we are faithful. How come there's guys like Kim Jong-un are out there slaughtering Christians and he seems to be fat and happy? And somebody as sweet and wonderful as my wife seems to be stricken by illness. It's not fair. It's not right. And I'm praying and he's not. How come he gets health and we don't? That's where I was at. And maybe some of you have prayed for somebody and you've, and you've asked God to heal them and then they die. And then you might think, well, God must be mean. He's unjust. It's not fair. Why wouldn't he heal? God is sovereign. He can choose if he's going to heal or not. We can trust him in this because he's loving. I felt angry when, when, when healing didn't come into my household the way that I thought it should. I also felt ashamed. I felt that there was something broken in me. must be that God found something awful inside of me that I was being punished for. And I know that's bad doctrine. But it didn't matter. Feelings are feelings, right? And I felt that way. And I, and I felt as though my faith was somehow off because I could see other people praying for healing and, and things would happen. We would see people healed. And I'm like, you know, what's wrong in here? And there's a sense of shame. And the reality is, is the gospel, there is no room for shame. There's guilt when we're doing something wrong, like the warning light, but God takes away our shame. He says, you know what? Yeah, you're broken, but I died for that. You better appreciate it. I'm not mad at you. God loves you deeply, and he's good. See, I made the illness all about me. It wasn't about me ever. It's an empowering truth to realize that God can be God even if bad things happen. He can still be the God of life if death comes in. In fact, Jesus had to die in order for there to be a resurrection. And there has to be present sufferings today. But graciously, he's giving us something that's so good that what we suffer today is not even worth comparing. If you have your Bibles, I would like you to turn them to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. It's going to be on page 808 if you have one of our Bibles. If, uh, if you would need a Bible, we've got a bunch of them in the back if you... Uh, need to keep one, just take it. It's our gift to you. And, and, and as you're turning to uh, 2 Corinthians, this is written by the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, um, in this, this letter, he's uh, in the context we're going to be reading, he's talking about the foolishness of pride. Right? That's the context. That's the point that he's making, is that pride, thinking that we can do things on our own, doesn't work. It's stupid. Right? None of us are going to be good enough, but God is always good enough. And so we need to run on God's power, not our own. And that's kind of the point that he's making here. And in doing so, he gives an example from his own life, something that uh, several would think would maybe be um, uh, shameful. Right? But it's not. And so we're going to be in 2 Corinthians 12, sorry, 7 or 6. It says... Uh, even uh, if I should choose to boast, I would I would be a fool, because I would be speaking the truth, or I would because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain. Is no one uh, so? No one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say, or because of the surpassing greatness of the revelation. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Three times I pleaded to the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I'll boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insult, in hardships, in persecution, and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. 
You ever heard that passage? Isn't it amazing? I mean, he goes to talk about we can't be in our own power. And I think a lot of times, a lot of us take a lot of pride in our health, don't we? About what we can do. And I don't think we oftentimes think about it, but I am able, I'm capable of doing things. And the reason that I know that this is the case, because when then we get sick, you break your arm, or you get hit in the head by something, you can't do what you're supposed to do, all of a sudden you, f- you have this, this, this crisis of, of identity. Right? Am I worthy still? If I can't do what I used to be able to do, that is pride. God loves you, not because of what you can do, but because he's good. And you are worthy as his child, not because of what you can do, but because of who he is and because he is good. This passage is powerful. You have this guy, this, this, this prophet, this, this apostle, this guy that's, that's amazing, that heals people, is able to raise them from the dead himself, and then he gets something in his own life. And he says, God, heal me, nothing. Heal me, nothing. Heal me, nothing. This is how good this guy is. He only prays three times. I've, I've sometimes badger God for years. He got it in three, but you know. God chose not to heal. And what did the apostle do? Did he walk away from God saying, I know you can heal the dead. You can take away whatever this thorn in the flesh is. No. I think it's interesting in here, he said, this was given to me so I would be reminded that I wouldn't be tempted to think that it's all about me. It's not my own strength. The issue isn't, isn't about you oftentimes. Sometimes when we suffer, maybe it has nothing really to do, like a brokenness you, that you have to learn some lesson and God will heal you. Maybe it's not about you at all. Maybe God is doing something much bigger. Maybe he's preparing the way for something. The issue is this. If we are God's children, we recognize his sovereignty. And he has the power to heal and the right to heal if he wants to. He also has the power and the right to say no. The issue is not whether or not I'm worthy or anything about me. The issue is this. What is the greatest good? And for the Apostle Paul in this instance, the greatest good was for him to remain sick. It was to remain with this thorn in the flesh. That thorn was evidence not only for him, but for everybody else around him. This is not just you, Paul. Because God uses imperfect people, doesn't he? It was that thing that has encouraged faithful believers ever since then to say, in weakness, I can be strong. So in Christ, even our weakness is our strength. And you have to get this. And it's not just flowery church language. And I'm talking about God uses broken people to do amazing things. Think of this. There's this woman named Johnny Erickson Tata. She was an athlete. And she was good. Goes diving, just have fun. Breaks her neck. It's paralyzed. Do you know that God has used that to reach millions of people? Touch them with faith, encourage them in the times that they're most broken? God used her brokenness and made it into an incredible strength, incredibly redemptive for the kingdom. And you know what's really cool is that Johnny Erickson Tata, she gets a new body. And I can imagine when we get to heaven, she'll be swimming around, diving off all kinds of cool stuff. But for this brief period of time, these few decades, God has asked her to carry this cross. He has the right to, and she is. And because she is, God is bringing glory. And and a glory that outlasts her life. I think that's pretty amazing. And the thing is, is that just because God may not heal you, he may, and it's up to him whether he's going to. But if he chooses not to, it doesn't mean that he doesn't care. 
I felt for a while that God just didn't care. I was like, you're my heavenly father. And I know as a father, if my son hurts, I'm going to do everything I can to take the pain away. But my heavenly father loves me more. He doesn't want us to walk around this world terrified by the brokenness around us. He redeems us through it. He'll take the brokenness and say, I'm still powerful. I can still work. You think this sickness is going to stop me and my kingdom and my goodness through you? Hmm, think again. Like the apostle says, in my weakness, I'm strong. I think of the splash effect of blessing that has happened in our family's life because we were blessed enough to have illness. One of the things that I discovered in, in our particular life is that we were freed from the idea of pride, that if long as we, like, ministry was on our own power. There have been a lot of times where I couldn't do everything because I'm caring for my family, for my wife, for my son. I just didn't have the time, didn't have the energy. I could not do it. And you know what happened? God brought around people to care for us and blessed us in the midst of them and blessed them for being able to come in and care because I wasn't too prideful to receive their love knit this church together in a lot of really awesome ways. Gave me an opportunity to have compassion for other people who suffer that I would never have had, and I know that I didn't have beforehand. It raised my son up to be a a, a young man who has great compassion, who serves other people. it's, It's amazing what God can do. Fourth truth I want you to see in this is that God always redeems suffering. That's the promise. He can heal in this life or he may not. And he can do it regardless of how faithful or good you think you are. God can do, he can heal if it's, if it's the best thing. And if he doesn't, then it's still the best thing. But here's the thing is he doesn't leave us this way. Today is not forever. Our present sufferings are not even worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed to us. There is a glory that will be revealed to us. Isn't that awesome? Isn't it amazing to know that today may not be what I like. Today, my body may not be where I want it to be. Today, I may be suffering, but the suffering doesn't last. This world is coming to an end. There is a conclusion. Jesus is returning. Heaven is on its way. And God doesn't just redeem it in the hereafter. He will redeem our suffering even now. There's some passages I think are important. Romans 8, 18, right? That is not worth comparing. Think of this when you are suffering. What you're going through is real. It is a mountain, and it is difficult, and it is not fun. But it won't last. It won't last. And what is coming next is awesome. We have to be people of the promise today. We look to God. We pray for healing because we know he's a God of power, and there are times that he does that. But regardless of whether or not he heals, we need to be looking what's next. For even a healthy body in this world is not worth comparing to what we have coming next. Tense versus homes. Right? God is changing us, and he's doing great things. And there is a glory that is coming that we get to be part of. Healing will come. So if you are suffering today, encouragement for you, God is redeeming it. There is a healing that is coming for you. You will not suffer like this forever. And though it may seem like an eternity now, when we are in eternity, it will seem like such a brief period of time. It will come. And heaven is worth it. Next thing, though, I think is we go... 10 verses later in Romans, we have this. This wonderful promise that we've memorized many times, but I think it's cool to see that in context, that there's a glory coming. Look at this. And we know that in all things, that includes sickness and brokenness and pain and suffering. 
in times of weakness, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, those who are called according to his purpose. God is a good God, and he is at work today. He is at work today in each one of your lives. He is at work in our suffering. He's at work in our pain. He's at work in our trials. He is at work. And he's not just at work for bad things, but for the good of you, for your good, because our God is good. And so today you may feel like you're being slain. Today you may feel like you are on the altar. Today you feel like maybe you're like Lazarus, just waiting for a miracle. But I'll tell you that God is doing something amazing in you. Let him do his work. right? Let him do his work. And in this process, recognize this, that it's not about you. He's already saved you. There's a body coming for you that is not even worth comparing to the one that you have today. There's a glory coming for you that's not even worth comparing to the things that you go through today. He's got you taken care of. But if the Christ who died on a cross for you asks you to carry a cross, as a disciple, shouldn't we say, yes, yes, Lord. If this is what you ask me to carry, then I will do it. And I'm going to see you in this. And like Paul to say, I know that you are at work and therefore I will boast in my weakness. And I will boast in the sufferings. Not that I enjoy the sufferings, but the reason I boast in them because I know they've been overcome. And I know my God uses the enemy's stick to beat him with. Right? God is at work in me. He's working things together for the good. So trust him. Trust our God. There's four truths for facing illness that I have discovered over the last 10 years. And am I an expert on this? By no means. But I think the word of God gives us these as well. The first one is this, is that God can heal anyone, anywhere, anytime. You have to get that. Let's get beyond this whole thing about, well, maybe God can't heal me because I'm too broken or I'm not good enough or I don't have enough faith. God can heal anyone. It's the power of God is the one who heals. It is up to God. And so if you are sick, you are not outside of his ability to help. And the first thing he tells us to do is pray. It's what we do. And he says, even in the word, he says, any of you sick, then go to the elders and have them anoint you and pray for you. God does work. He can heal you. Put your hope and your faith in him. But also this, God may or may not heal in the moment. If he doesn't heal you, that doesn't mean he is not there. It just means he's at work in you and through you. And if he does heal you, it doesn't mean that you're a better Christian or a better person. It means that he's building faith in you and through you. So use that testimony. Now get this. God may not choose to heal. That's okay, because he's going to heal you anyway. He's going to give you a new body. You get eternal life. That is our hope. And even if he doesn't heal, he's going to use your sickness to do better things. He will turn it to you a blessing. The last one is that God will redeem your suffering. It's not a question, because God is good. He's working all things together for the good, right? So he's working in you. He's redeeming you. He's making you a source of redemption. He's showing this world that it's about his love and his goodness. So if you're suffering illness, there is hope for you today. There's a God who loves you. There's a God who can heal you. There's a God who will redeem you. And he's going to use your suffering. So let's just let him do it. So how do we do that? Well, it's some difficult stuff, right? How do we apply this, this hard stuff into our life? Do you have your connection card? I'd ask you to open and take it out. And inside, there are some next steps. Because some of you really are suffering right now. You are. And I, my heart breaks with you. Just because it's, it's redeemed doesn't mean that right now it doesn't hurt. And part of loving one another is it says that we hurt with one another when we hurt, right? But we also rejoice with those who have been healed. And maybe you're not sick right now, which is great. 
Recognize this. There are some good things that uh, when sickness and illness come into your life, whether you personally or for those that you love, let's prepare ourselves so we can bring God glory in the midst of this. The first thing you can do to do that is memorize Romans 8.18. I think this is awesome. When I have a really bad day, like a really bad day or something really scary happens, this is a passage that I love to go to. That I consider our present sufferings are not worth, not even worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed to us in Christ Jesus. I think that's amazing. There are times that this world seems so broken when things go so askew, whether or not it's illness or something else, this passage lifts us and prepares, brings our eyes back to where they should be, back onto Christ. And we remember that this is just a short, this is our part of the journey. So maybe this one of you do this week as you memorize this passage, right? This is a powerful passage for us. It carries us through the hard time and reminds us that God is good. There's a glory coming. Maybe something that you need to do maybe is read the whole chapter. Read Romans 8. You saw two passages in it. Read it in context. Get the whole bit. It's, in fact, if you want to read all of Romans, it's a great letter. And it will talk so much about our faith and it will build your faith. But you say, this week I can just read a chapter. Fine, read chapter 8. You know where it is. Or how about this? Maybe, uh, maybe you're going to pray for the sick. There are places in Scripture that says that people suffer because we haven't talked to God about it. One of the greatest things, I think, when, um, when we were going through the last 10 years, knowing that there were people, you guys, were praying for me and my family. And you didn't just pray for healing, but you also prayed other things. You, you prayed that I would be strong to be able to take care of them. You prayed for our, our needs. You prayed for emotional strength. I, I, you prayed for courage. You guys prayed all kinds of, and I know that you did these things because some of you wrote those prayers down on letters and you mailed them to me. It was, it was like getting water at a time where you're dying of thirst is when I received those. My family's not the only one that's went through suffering. There's a lot of you guys that are going through hardship. Pray for each other. If there's somebody you know that is sick, say, this week, I'm going to be praying for them. Pray for them and their family. Pray for faithfulness. Pray that God is going to carry them through this, that his will will be done in their life, that he's going to reveal themselves, and that they're not going to give up. Pray that you would be an encouragement to them. Pray for opportunity. Pray for their needs. Sickness is expensive, right? Pray for them. Maybe that's what you do this week. Make it, find someone. And if you don't know anybody that's sick, well, um, get to know us better, right? <laughs> but you can also ask God, who should I pray for? And then maybe for this, maybe you want to take it to the next step and you're going to care for the sick. See, in the family of faith, one of the great blessings that we have is the opportunity to give love and to receive love. That's what a family does. And when somebody is sick, I think about sometimes, there was one time, that, or for a while, there was people in the church came over, uh, ladies from the church, that cleaned their house. Because I'm not a great home, homemaker, and Amy is really good, and when she got sick, it was, it was bad. It was. And I was in over my head, and, and there were some gals that came in, and they cleaned our home, and that was such a gift. There was others who would bring us meals to just drop them off. They wouldn't call up and say, hey, can we? Because I would always say no, but they would just drop it off and say, here you go. And it was awesome. Right? There was times, I remember, well, there's a guy who came in, and he changed the oil in my car because I went 12,000 miles for the oil changes because I was too busy going between hospital calls and things with, with Amy and, and these things. And, um, he, he looked at my sticker, which I hadn't looked at. It was partially peeling off. And just said, give me your keys. And I was all right. And he brought it back, and my oil was changed. It was awesome. Yeah, this church is amazing. You have the capacity to care for somebody who's sick. So do it. We're commanded in Scripture to do it. Do it. 
So maybe that's what you do this week. Pray, God, give me opportunity. Show me what I can do to care for somebody and their family when they're sick. That's what a church family does. Maybe there's a different command. There's something there, a commitment that you need to make. Write it down. I'll pray for you this week. Or there's a prayer request that you have. Write it there. I'll tell you, God does heal us. He is a good God. He's powerful and he can do anything. So let us pray with you. And here in a minute, we're going to take our offering. If we take our offerings, take this connection card, put it in your offering basket, along with your tithes, your offerings, your fifth Sunday offerings, right? And and let's just see what God can do. Let's pray for our offerings now and for our, our commitments. Lord God, we're grateful you're good. We're grateful you're kind. Lord, this world is brutal and it's hard. And we have friends that we know that are struggling and suffering from illness and disease and hardship, and it breaks our heart. And we feel powerless, Lord, especially when the medical things that we try to do fail, and they're so limited. But God, you're never without option. And there's never a brokenness so broken that it's beyond your ability to heal. But Father, even greater than that is we're grateful that there's nothing so bad that is beyond your ability to redeem. Father, for those that are here today that are ill, I pray your healing on them. And Lord, if it be your will to relieve their suffering, I pray today you just remove it, that you would free them from that burden, as you did in the times of of Christ, when those that came to you were sick and they were healed, would you do that? But God, regardless of whether or not you choose to heal, I pray that you would heal our, our souls and our spirits. I pray that you would bring a redemption in the midst of our brokenness. If we're going to have to suffer, then use it for great things and thank you for the promise that you do. Father God, I pray for our commitments that we've made. Help us be a church that loves one another in action and in word. Father, I pray that you would take our commitments and help us to keep them in a way that changes us from the inside out to be more like you. Father, we pray also for our tithes, our offerings, our commitments, and even our fifth Sunday offering, God investments in your kingdom, knowing that there is a glory coming and this is what we're living for. So Father, may we live for that and would you bless these offerings in a way that, that, that builds your kingdom now, here in us and through us. For your glory we ask in Christ's name, amen.